Hello, 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 and welcome to this, the bonus episode of today's FYI, where we are learning about oceans, and we're going to learn so much more, plus some interesting idiomatic expressions that have to do with oceans and water. And as always, I have cherry-picked them. I have hand-picked them to make sure that they are the most common ones. And I'm not teaching you idiomatic expressions that you're seldom going to see. And seldom is uh, rara vez, no con mucha frecuencia. So what was that business about finding Nemo? I said something about finding Nemo. Well, first, that's the name of the movie, and it has something to do with Captain Nemo, but not the one I'm looking at today. It doesn't have anything to do with the movie or the captain. Well, I guess it does. It was named after the captain, but it's a place, the one I'm talking about, a place called Point Nemo. Have you heard of it? Yeah, well, that's probably because it is one of the most remote locations in the world. No, what? Wait, 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 wait. Let me rephrase that. It is. It's not one of the most. It is the most inaccessible place in this world. It is the farthest place away from everywhere. You know the expression, they live in the middle of nowhere? This is literally the middle of nowhere. If you have Google Maps out, just do a little search for Point Nemo. And it's called the Oceanic Pole of Inaccessibility. I think I prefer Point Nemo. It's got a better ring to it. If something has a good ring to it or a nice ring to it, es que suena Bien. But this is, this is the point in the ocean that is the farthest away from land. This is a spot that is surrounded by more than 1,000 miles of ocean in every direction. Don't worry, Europeans. That means 1,609 kilometers of ocean in every direction. The closest land masses to this pole are one of the Pitcairn Islands to the north, one of the Easter Islands to the northeast, and one island off the coast of Antarctica to the south, which I don't even think it has a name, just to show you how remote it is. And this place is 1,609 kilometers from there. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, you know those of you who say, I just want to go to an island and be alone. Well, there you go. There's the place where no one's going to bother you. Point Nemo. And I mean no one is going to bother you because there are no human inhabitants anywhere near Point Nemo. In fact, the name Nemo is Latin for no one. Aha, nadie. It's a very apt name, wouldn't you say? And as I said, there is a Jules Verne connection. Okay, it's named after Captain Nemo. You know, the famous submarine captain from the book 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is a classic. Hey, there's a recommendation. If you haven't read that, I highly recommend you read this classic. Now, this location, Point Nemo, is so isolated 
that the closest people, and listen very carefully here, the closest people to Nemo are not on Earth. What? Well, when there's a mission and the astronauts are aboard the ISS, the International Space Station, they're about 415 kilometers away from this island. And remember what I said before? The closest inhabitants here on Earth are 1,609 kilometers away? So that means you can be closer to this island going up into space than here on Earth. I think that is out of this world. <laughs> okay, it wasn't uh, the greatest joke in the world, but out of this world means extraordinary. And something that's out of this world is the seafood in Spain. Oh, man, you knew it was coming. You knew there was going to be a moment where we started talking about food, and that moment is now. Does anybody want some lobster? Langosta, lobster. We also say that uh, when somebody is really red, when they get sunburn on the beach, we're like, man, you look like a lobster. Es que te has puesto como un tomate, I think you would say in Spanish. Another one, crabs. Careful with this one because crab is cangrejo. But if you say crabs, and in the right context, you can be talking about a sexually transmitted disease. I'll put it in the vocab sheets, because I don't exactly remember it, but crabs. If the doctor tells you you have crabs, that's not good. If the waiter tells you we have crabs, that's a good thing. <laughs> the next one is shrimp. Ooh, gotta love them. Shrimp, prawn some people call king prawn gambon in general in the united states we call them all shrimp so we got jumbo shrimp que de hecho es un oxymoron the word jumbo means big and if somebody is a shrimp it's a way of calling like a little kid como enano hey you're a little shrimp be quiet you little shrimp no como a tu hermano Pequeño. So prawns, we, we would say, as I said, more commonly shrimp in the United States. Clams, I mean, how many different kinds of clams are there? Uh, almejas, uh, no, mejillones, siempre me lio. No, almejas, clams, mejillones, mussels. Well, think about it. You've got oysters. I mean, they're all mollusks in this category, right? So oysters, ostras, mussels, razor clams. Those are very popular in Spain. Oh, is anybody getting hungry right now? Oh, man. Give me some navajas, razor clams. Que es parecido. A razor es el filo. So, same idea, right? This next one is a false friend. Scallops. Que te suena? Cuando oyes la palabra scallop, you think of escalope, no? Well, no. A scallop is una vieira. Oh, and scallops are awesome. Do you know how we serve scallops in the United States? <laughs> You're going to crack up. With uh, bacon and a beurre blanc sauce. <laughs> so what does that mean? So you get the nice scallop fresh from the ocean. You wrap it in bacon. It's delicious, by the way. And then you put a beurre blanc, which if you guys speak French, you know it's a, a butter and white wine sauce. My mouth is watering. Hold on. Let me just clean off my microphone here there we go uh, yeah i'm drooling on my microphone i should have saved this to the end oh and barnacles which by the way if you say barnacles in the united states most people will say what i'm not going to eat those those are the things that grow on the dock no que crecen ahí en el muelle and uh, you're right 
But in Spain, it's a delicacy. I think in the United States, you couldn't give them away. No podías regalarlos. And here, I know around the holidays, they are prohibitively expensive. Those barnacles, percebes. See, it's all a matter of what you, what you like, what your culture considers to be a delicacy. I know in the United States, we looked at octopus as like kind of like a, ooh, no, we don't eat octopus. But then we eat squid. Luego comemos calamar. So it doesn't make any sense. You're like, wait, wait. So we don't eat octopus. We're above octopus. Estamos por encima. But squid, yeah, we'll eat that. And so it doesn't make too much sense. But now, as you know, people's tastes are opening up. I think now in the United States, octopus is a more common dish. But when I was a kid, I remember my friends saying, what? You eat octopus? And that's how I realized. I said, okay, they eat different things in different countries. And as I always say, and as the expression goes, when in Rome, do as the Romans. So if you're going to one of these countries, try one of their delicacies. I don't do it. I don't practice what I preach. No practico lo que predico, but my wife does. <laughs> She'll try everything and tell me what it tastes like. And I mean, like you can try some weird things out there that you would never think were delicacies and not just things from the ocean. I remember when I was in Cambodia, they had scorpions, snakes, and I was like, um, I'm going to go have a, a burger <laughs> or some noodles somewhere. All right, let's change gears because if we keep talking about food, someone is going to end up eating the microphone. And I don't want to mention any names. All right, well, let's take a look at what we need when we go to the beach, right? Now that we're talking about oceans, we can look at some key vocabulary. Now, if you're going to the beach, you got to bring all your stuff, especially if you got kids. You have to literally have your hands full, the trunk of your car full, um, you know, stuff dropping everywhere. I mean, that's that's what it looks like when I go to the beach and I just have one kid. But I like to travel light. I remember when I was um, before I was a father, when I was single, I would go to the beach with just the bare minimum. You know, of course, I would wear my bathing suit my swimming trunks or my bathing suit. I believe the British say a swimming costume or a bathing costume. Un disfraz. Son un poco raros. Lo sé. And so I, I would just grab a, a backpack. Que de hecho los británicos dicen rucksack. Oh, and don't forget your towel. You're going to need your towel. Uh, now, myself, when I was younger, I didn't need a beach chair. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was like, oh, I, don't need, I didn't even need a towel. I think, you know, I think I would just go to the beach, take a dip and just sit in the sand. But now the older I get, the more stuff I need. And here I was blaming my daughter. Hmm. Shame on you, Alberto. You're the culprit, not your daughter. <laughs> the culprit. That's a word that you can probably look at and understand. El culpable, no? El que tiene la culpa. The culprit. Es que empieza con la palabra culp. Culprit se pronuncia. But these days, you won't see me at the beach without my beach chair. Well, yeah, my back. I, it's harder for me to get up off the ground. Guys, I like to be comfortable on the beach, you know? Back then, I didn't care. Oh, and don't forget your shades. That's really important. Because what happens when you're squinting all day? To squint is como cerrar los ojos porque está entrando el sol. You get a pounding headache. So, not only to protect your eyes, 
But to avoid squinting, you need a good pair of shades, right? We say sunglasses or shades. And not to be confused with las gafas de bucear. Do you know how to say those? Those are goggles. Tuve una alumna que dijo Googles. Digo, creo que tienes que googlearlo porque es dos Gs, no dos Os. <laughs> so goggles. También las usamos en el monte. By the way, we have an episode on winter sports. So whenever you're listening to, the, listening to this, you're always in the right season. Umbrella. Now, there's another one that we use two words in English, we use one, you use two words. You say sombrilla, and then you say paraguas. But for us, it's an umbrella. And the context, you could say a beach umbrella, but it's not really necessary if you're at the beach. I imagine you're not talking about the other one. And if it's raining outside, then I'll know you're talking about that one. So English, okay, I know sometimes you think, well, pero ¿por qué no hay dos palabras? Porque, bueno, con prestar atención sabrás cuáles. <laughs> That's my easy answer. Oh, and don't forget your sunscreen. Huh, I should have put that first. Your sunscreen, protector solar. Yeah, well, you don't want to get sunburn. Man, that's really uncomfortable. Or that could really ruin your trip, you know. Flip-flops or, you know, some kind of beach sandals. Your bikini. Well, I, I don't bring a bikini, as I said before. I bring a swimsuit or swimming trunks, as I would say. Bikini, which, by the way, we have an episode. Do we have an episode on everything? <laughs> we have an episode on bikinis, by the way. Oh, and something that, as I get older, has become really important when I go to the beach. It's reading material. Magazines, uh, you know, this is the only time I buy quote. Oh my God, I can't believe I just admitted that here on the podcast. I mean, um, <clears throat> I buy marca. Well, I buy that too. <laughs> I go to the newsstand because I think of it this way. I don't really support the industry. I don't buy things in print, really. I get all my news. I read everything on the internet. So I feel like the two weeks or one month that I'll be at the beach, I'm going to spend some money on magazines and newspapers just for old times sake, como decimos, no? Por, el, por los viejos tiempos, for old times sake. And I love it. I, I know it's vacation in my head when I can read Marca from cover to cover, even though I don't care because I'm reading about Segunda B, but I don't care. I'm on the beach. I'm chilling. There I am with my cooler. Don't forget about your cooler. Cooler is tu neverita, and your cooler should be stocked. Stocked is llenísimo, no? De, de producto. Uh, beer, soda, water. Don't forget to stay hydrated. That's the worst thing that can happen. You get sunburn. You get dehydrated. Uh, I've seen it happen. Well, you guys too. All the British people who come here. Ooh. Uh, um, oops, I didn't mean to stereotype you, <laughs> but I've seen it all too many times where I'm like, I don't know if this person is, um, you know, having suffering from alcohol poisoning or they've got a serious sunburn or uh, I don't get it. <laughs> but hey, hey, every hey, different strokes for different folks. Para gustos los colores. I'm just making observations, but a little sunscreen goes a long way. And the expression goes a long way is que da para mucho, no? Te da mucho juego. A little lo que sea goes a long 
way. What else? Uh, anything? Am I leaving anything out? Estoy omitiendo alguna cosa? Oh, well, a change of clothes is always good. Mira, se nota que ya soy... I'm, I'm over the hill. Ya soy mayor. Because a change of clothes, ¿no? Ropa limpia, por si hay que cambiar. <laughs> and I talked about having the drinks in the cooler, but you need snacks with those drinks as well. Potato chips, you know, corn nuts. You call them kikos. We call them corn nuts. And I think the most important thing, because you gotta, ha you can have a pail and a shovel, and you can, you can really, you can have a, an inflatable boat. You can have a raft, a raft. You say un, una colchoneta. I mean, you can have the whole nine yards, todo, todo, todito. But I think the most important part is the good company. So uh, why don't we plan our own beach party, amigos? If you're listening, Carmen, we're coming to your house. <laughs> and then we're going to stop by Patricio's, too. We've got a couple students who live on the beach. So uh, what time should we come by? <laughs> All right, let's change gears now and take a look at some ocean idioms. The first one I've chosen is to be a big fish in a small pond. And this is a good one. We were looking at bodies of water before. Hemos mirado diferentes tipos de agua. Well, a pond is like a really small lake, estanque, a pond. I think of fishing ponds. So if you're a big fish in a small pond, think about it. No, tú ya has crecido demasiado para ese sitio. You've outgrown, es una forma de decirlo también, otra forma. You've outgrown your surroundings. Another one that's very common when someone's going through a breakup, uh, una ruptura. A breakup is, and I think you say the same thing in Spanish, you say, there are plenty of other fish in the sea. There are plenty, hay muchos peces más en el mar. And you know what my answer is now? Well, not if we keep overfishing. And we'll talk a little bit about overfishing a little bit later on. But I'll tell you, something fishy is going on. <laughs> something fishy? Uh, you get uh, Okay, okay, never mind. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> Otra, to have bigger fish to fry es que tienes temas más gordos de que tratar. Another one that I like, but you use it kind of in the opposite way. You guys say, como pez en el agua, no? If somebody's feeling good in their surroundings. Well, we use it the opposite. We say when somebody's uncomfortable in their surroundings, they are like a fish out of water. Although I think somebody would understand you if you said, oh, he's like a fish in water. But in English, really, it's the opposite. He's like a fish out of water. He doesn't fit in. Cuando alguien destaca de forma negativa, otra forma es, he stands out or he sticks out like a sore thumb, como un pulgar dolido. Hey, we might have looked at that one in the body episode. Hey, guys, you've got a lot of episodes to re-listen to. And remember, I don't even remember what I said in the first episode. So there's no way you're going to remember it all either. So remember, you can listen to these episodes over and over. And every week, you've got more and more to choose from. So don't rock the boat. No creas problemas. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to link everything together. You know me. I like to run a tight ship. <laughs>
to run a tight ship, si soy el capitán, pues mi nave eh, lo llevamos muy organizado, ¿no? Soy rigorista. I run a tight ship. And it's because I don't want anybody making waves. This is similar to rocking the boat. To make waves or to rock the boat is to create or make problems. It reminds me of a song too. Don't rock my boat, rock my boat. I think it's Bob Marley. It's como no creas problemas para mí. Don't rock my boat. Because really, this is just a drop in the ocean. <laughs> A drop in the ocean. Creo que podéis averiguar. You can probably figure out what it means. A drop in the ocean. También se puede decir a drop in the bucket, en el cubo. Well, that means something that's insignificant or trivial. It's not an important amount. Uh, the word amount is cantidad. Another one I love is sink or swim. So this is do or die. This is sink or swim. Esto es todo o nada. Right? So it's decisive. It's sink, hundirse, or swim, seguir nadando. And if you give up, si te das por vencido, maybe you're going to jump ship. Hmm, that's a weird one because we don't say jump the ship. We don't say jump off the ship. It's to jump ship. And it means abandonar. And it's something that people will find themselves doing when they're caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. Do you know this one? To be caught between the devil and the deep blue sea is to be in a difficult situation no matter how you look at it. Uh, you say in Spanish, estoy entre la espada y la pared. We could say, I'm between the devil and the deep blue sea. Another way is, I'm between a rock and a hard place. ¿Qué tiene sentido? Estoy entre una roca y un sitio duro. ¿Qué es una roca? Un sitio duro. So it makes sense. Y en este es, estoy entre el demonio y el mar profundo. Like, uh, I'm not going to win this battle here. And speaking of battles, sometimes I feel like we're battling the ocean just to see what it can take. And you know what? I'm no activist. In fact, you could probably consider me a slacktivist. Uh, slack es como vago, so slacktivism, slacktivismo, es como quejarte desde tu sofá. But I do agree that the oceans and our planet is important. I don't want to get into a political debate or anything about that, but I do believe that we have to be aware of the consequences of our actions because um, unsustainable growth in any way in a company isn't good. Usually the house of cards comes crumbling down. And if this house of cards comes crumbling down, that's 70% of our oxygen. Where are we going to get it from? Do you guys have a plan B? I don't. And plus, I want to keep going to the beach and taking my daughter to the beach and being able to swim and, and not, you know, I've seen beaches in the United States that were closed all summer because the water was polluted. So it's something to take into consideration, not just, you know, the, okay, throwing garbage into the sea, which I think, I don't know why we do that. Don't we have anywhere else that we can, isn't there another plan? Again, I'm not the smartest guy. I didn't study this. This isn't my mission in life. But aren't there smart people out there that can figure out what to do with our trash before it consumes us and our ocean? 
Because if not, again, we're going to be buried in our own trash one day. And that's pretty scary. The British like to say the word rubbish. Uh, We say trash or garbage in the United States. And I took a look at this fact here. Seven million tons of plastic wind up or end up in the ocean each year. So who's eating that plastic? The fish, right? The life, the aquatic life. And who's eating that fish? Well, we just did a whole section on all kinds of fish that we eat. And if they're eating that plastic, well, then that plastic's coming into our bodies, right? It doesn't take a genius. And you're thinking, okay, but maybe it's just a little. Seven million tons each year and we're constantly growing at exponential rates here so this garbage has become such a problem i'm sure many of you have seen it on the internet the great pacific garbage patch this is a patch that covers an estimated 1.6 million square kilometers that's roughly mas o menos three times the size of france and this patch of garbage, trash, rubbish, call it what you will, is currently floating between Hawaii and California. And you want to know something? That's just one of them. Yeah, there are five what are called gyres. Uh, me recuerda la palabra giros, no? Girar. No sé cómo se dice en español. Gyres. Bueno, lo pongo en el, I'll put it. When I don't know the word here on the podcast, don't worry, guys. I look it up later on. But the word is gyre. It's not a very common word. But these are like whirlpools, no? Donde el agua como hace un círculo. Whirlpool sí que es una palabra que conocemos. De hecho, las lavadoras, the washing machines, there's a famous brand called Whirlpool. And when you think that the word, the word Whirlpool, toma trabalenguas, the word Whirl, dilo tú, the word Whirlpool, whew, me ha costado la vida, is remolino. So there are five of these gigantic Whirlpools in the middle of the ocean, and they're just collecting that garbage there. And if you've seen images here, it'll turn your stomach. And we didn't even talk about, like, you know, the the stuff that comes with the territory, I guess. All of these shipping containers that get lost. Let's not even get into oil spills. I know in Spain you guys have had a problem with oil spills. Even hydrogen bombs. I don't need to tell you about that. You're all familiar with Palomares. So I think Spanish people know you guys have unfortunately experienced it firsthand. And we're going to end today's show on a positive note. But I will say this. Doing nothing is not the answer. And I'm saying that aloud to myself. But informing yourself, that's the first step. So I think the more we know about our oceans and, well, this intricate way that our planet works, the more we'll be able to protect it and make decisions that are more sustainable. I mean, when I saw the figure that between 63 and 273 million Okay, now that's a that's a, a lot of leeway there. I I mucho sitio, mucho margen, but between sixty three and two hundred and seventy three million sharks are being killed annually 
due to overfishing. 40% of those are caught unintentionally. So you can check it out. There are documentaries. There's one called Sea Spiracy. There's another one called End of the Line. Oof, man, it, uh, it opened my eyes because we don't know much. As I said, I'm no expert. I got to trust what they tell me. But the only thing we can do is arm ourselves with knowledge. Let's look at some movies. Don't you guys want to get in a beachy mood? As we say in English, life's a beach. La vida es eh, un sueño. Pero también decimos life's a B-I-T-C-H, que eso es la vida es perra, es muy difícil. So it's really important how you pronounce that word there. Life's a beach versus life's a bitch. <laughs> Very different. One you're complaining and one you're saying life is awesome. A couple beach movies to get you in the mood and learn some more beach vocabulary. Elvis's Blue Hawaii. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Remember, we say Hawaii, we pronounce it. Then you've got Endless Summer, which is a surf movie. Awesome movie, Endless Summer. Point Break, starring Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. Jaws, yeah, that's a beach movie. Jaws, El Tiburón. Another one I love, Weekend at Bernie's. I think you say, Este Muerto Está Muy Vivo, or something like that. Then you've got Castaway with Tom Hanks, which makes sense because then if you know that the word castaway means something in Spanish, then you'll know that it's naufrajo, naufrajo, naufrago. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but it's somebody, well, it's Tom Hanks in that movie. Por eso es bueno saber los títulos in English, castaway. And of course, The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio, which was filmed in Thailand, a beach I've been to. And then we'll uh, take a look at some songs. I said the word dock before. Muelle. Remember when we were talking about barnacles? Did it ring a bell? Sitting on the dock of the bay. Wasting time. And anything by the Beach Boys. If everybody had an ocean across the USA, then everybody be surfing. California Dreamin', Surfing USA, Kokomo, Aruba, Jamaica, anything by the Beach Boys. And by the way, the Beach Boys, they hardly ever surfed. They didn't know the first thing about surfing. <laughs> they just knew how to get that look and make that music. I also think of uh, Madonna. La Isla Bonita. And the next one and the last one, which I think is even funny, the name, now that I'm looking at it. It's a great song. Every time I listen to it, it just puts me in a great mood. And it's, I'm walking on sunshine. Yeah. I'm walking on sunshine by Katrina and the waves. So think about it. Sunshine, waves, sounds like the perfect song for a beach day. And we'll wrap up with this tongue twister. This is your challenge. Hopefully you'll be able to say this to me in class. You can look it up, but here it is. She sells seashells by the seashore. The shells she sells are surely seashells. So if she sells shells on the seashore, I'm sure she sells seashore shells. Oh my God. Yeah, that actually means something. So I'll repeat it one more time. She sells seashells. Ella vende conchas by the seashore en la orilla de la playa. The shells she sells are surely seashells. So if she 
sells shells on the seashore, I'm sure she sells seashore shells. Oh my God, that is for my advanced levels. But I will say this in closing. The world is your oyster. ¿Qué? ¿El mundo es tu ostra? Sí, eso significa el mundo es tuyo. Cómetela. The world is your oyster. And I hope you had a whale of a time. Que lo pasaste en grande. I hope you had a whale of a time on this week's episode of FYI.